Aloha, party people. You are listening to Inside the Desert Oasis Room, episode number 198. This episode is sponsored by the Tiki Bar T-Shirt Club, where their monthly T-shirt designs pay tribute to a Polynesian bar or restaurant from days long past. Each design is available for a limited time and will never be produced again. For the collectors out there, be sure to check out their subscription program, where they offer a discounted 3, 6, or 12-month plan, or you can always buy shirts one at a time. For more information and to check out this month's shirt, visit tikibartshirtclub.com. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Tiki Tea, a family-owned and operated tropical drink bar in Los Angeles, California. Come get their house specialty, The Ray's Mistake. For more information, check out their website, tiki-ti.com. If you have a product, service, or event that you'd like to bring attention to, we can help. This podcast reaches thousands of listeners in over 100 countries every week. Imagine hearing your ad in this spot, just like you're hearing this one right now. Sponsor an episode and get the exposure you deserve. For more information, go to DesertOasisRoom.com and click on Services. Today we chat with Adam Demarath. Adam is a premier craft cocktail bartender and mixologist from New York City. On this episode, we chat about his upbringing right here in the Inland Empire of Southern California, his background in theater, how he found his way to New York and learn about his philosophies on craft cocktailing and mixology. As always, I hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did bringing it to you. If you enjoy this podcast, please give us a good rating or stop by DesertOasisRoom.com and click on the tip jar. Every tip or donation, no matter the size, is very much appreciated and helps keep this podcast coming to you every week. All righty, grab a cocktail and join us inside the Desert Oasis Room. Give it up for bartender extraordinaire, Adam Demarath. You know, these are all my babies. I had, to, I was like, I wanted to put it together in, in a way that, you know, obviously I wanted three very different drinks, but um, these are three of my more popular drinks. I can't probably. decide. So that first one that you made, the Pukalapu. I think that one's my favorite of the three. Well, I thought like, okay, this is the one I'm drinking when we record. But yeah. now that you've made three and they're all equally fantastic, <laughs> I don't know which one I want. Now you're, now you're stuck I with honestly that don't. I, I want them all, but I mean, and I know that we can make more. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it doesn't really matter to me right now. I think right. that maybe I feel like this one, the pistachio, or you call it a pistache daiquiri. daiquiri uh-huh. I feel like it's going to lose its foam if it's not consumed in a timely manner. Yeah, it actually holds up pretty well. It does it, it really. It, it dies pretty well, but you're right. That one probably, well, it's also, it's not on ice, and these ones will dilute 
and that one will. That's the other thought that yeah. I had is that it, it's not on ice and it'll these will dilute. But you know how many times I've had a diluted cocktail? That's like it's, I, all the time. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Right? It's it's fine. Once I mean, if you get to enjoy the first half of it, and it's all right. Delicious. So I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna take this one. All right, right on. And then we'll we'll Sounds revisit the other one. I, know, I see you went right I'm, for the I'm, for I told the you, I'm starting there. There we go. I'm starting all right, there. Here we go. Cheers. Hmm. <laughs> So good. Okay. So for our listeners, we have three cocktails in front of us that our friend Adam made because we recorded some cocktail videos on our YouTube channel. So if you want to know what we're drinking and you want to make them at home for yourself, check out our YouTube at youtube.com slash Polynesian pop. I'm excited to talk to you for a number of reasons. (laughs) Let's start with that you're an Inland Empire boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, born and raised out here? Uh, no, I was born in Torrance. Born uh, in Torrance. I lived in Long Beach with my family until I was five, but then my parents wanted to move us inland. So, I was Five, yeah, yeah you're still young. Pretty, Yeah, pretty darn young. Raised in Riverside. Yeah. And now living in New York. Yeah. So, that's interesting. So, let's talk about that because a couple of things come to mind. Number one, the <clears throat> culture shock. Yeah. I bet. Oh, yeah. And not even just like uh, California to New York, but Inland Empire to New yes. York. Because Inland Empire to L.A. is already a culture Sure, shock. sure. It's not a big city to a big city coming from Riverside to right, New York. Is, right, yeah. right. And and then like, and then you're, what part of New York you're in? Uh, we live in Queens. Queens. Yeah, in yeah. Astoria. Yeah. See, okay, that's crazy. So let's, let's talk about that journey mm-hmm. and why you left Riverside to go to New York and why New York specifically? Well, so <clears throat> my wife and I, we've been together uh, 16 years and we met in theater. Uh, we were both pursuing that. She got her degree in it at Cal State Fullerton. So all Southern California. Um, and, you know, after pursuing that for a while, uh, you know, I did a lot of like local productions and a couple of professional things. And she, after she graduated, we had lived uh, in Long Beach for about nine months. Um, and then we just said, well, we, you know, we, and if we want to do theater, we are going to have to, you got to be in New York. You know, yeah, if you want to do yeah. screen work, you got to, you want to be in LA if you want to do, I mean, that's what we were always told. So we, we hightailed it out and went to New York and, uh, it's, it's quite an addiction. New York is, is a, is yeah. a, a lifestyle all its own, you know, sure. cause there's a, we're discussing moving back now. We've been there for 11 years. Oh, a long time. Yeah. So it's a good stretch. You know, I think we're, we're I don't know what they say is <laughs> le- you know, how, uh, how long you got to be there to actually be considered a New Yorker, but we feel, we feel New Yorkers now. Okay. So, right. uh, yeah, so we're, we're kind of, we're wanting to start a family and, and, uh, come back to the coast where all of our, our, you know, gotcha. all of our families out here. Yeah. So, um, you want to raise your family amongst other family. Yeah. We grew up with that, you know, grandparents yeah, yeah. and cousins, especially my wife. She's got a very large family. They're I all still it. close by. So we want to bring, it. we want to uh, come back here and have babies. And, um, so we're going to move back, but there's something kind of bittersweet about saying goodbye to New York. Yeah, it's yeah, just, totally. It's, it's, a, totally. You know, it's like we're spoiled. You yeah, know? yeah. Spoiled out there. So lots of questions. Uh, so bear with me here because yeah. just in that short statement you have, there's so many things that I want to ask you. Yeah. Number one, <clears throat> why theater specifically? And was it really always theater, right? I mean, like, you know, you're in Southern California. Yeah. We're like an hour from the entertainment capital of the world, you know, acting and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Number two, about New York and, you know, how different the lifestyle is 
Yeah. Um, and then number three, your bartending background, because let's face it, this is a tiki and cocktail and and exotica genre styled show, uh-huh. right? Yep. And I know our listeners are out there want to know about the cocktails and the bartending and all that kind of stuff. Yes. The compare and contrast between LA and New York bars. Mm-hmm. And I want to cover all that stuff. But so let's start with the theater stuff specifically because obviously there's what Broadway out there, right? There's, yeah, that, there's yeah. that whole theater culture. The, the live theater scene, yes. It's pretty off the hook there. You know, so it's pretty Is, is it really like th- there's no other place where you can do that? I mean, like there's no theater out here in L.A.? Well, no, there is, there is, but you know, when your when your aspirations, I think, are to go big. I mean, I, at least that's how I dream. I my dreams are always very ambitious. That's kind of, um, <laughs> that's that's kind of the sure. the the impetus for this whole trip that we're on right now, um, and doing doing. And I want to talk about of, that too. The yeah, trip, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and that's, uh, I mean, that's what's you know, it's very full circle. But we're we're. I'm the type of guy that likes to go for things kind of full throttle and, uh, you know, all, all the different phases of my life. Like I dive in, I kind of give myself a crash course. I'm, I'm, I won't say I'm self-taught in everything that I do, but I, I always kind of go the next step so that I could be as yeah. good at that thing as I, as I can in, in short order. Um, that's basically what I did with bartending too. When I, you know, I didn't, I grew up, um, you know, everybody thought I was going to be the next Picasso because from the time I could pick up a pencil until I graduated high school and even a little after, everyone thought that that's what I was going to do because I was an illustrator was art. and a painter. Okay. Yeah, so okay. it's visual arts. Um, and I was always kind of a, a, ahead of the curve in that in that regard with like my talent. It was, you know, it showed to people and that's what they thought I was going to do. But um, unlike a lot of my friends that were also artists, I was not introverted at all. I had that very outgoing kind of personality. Sure. And, um, you know, I would do a lot of just, I was a goofball. I was class clown. I would do impressions and I watched all the Jim Carrey movies and stuff. So I just, I really wanted to get into acting and I was always encouraged to do that in spite of the the visual arts and the fine arts background. So, um, uh, yeah, so I pursued that for a while locally, but, uh, I just knew I needed to get into the big leagues. So my wife and I went, you know, we, we took a a road trip cross country actually to move there. Yeah. Like four weeks. Um, and stopped and saw the sights, and then we got there, and we were pretty enamored with with New York. Yeah, um, yeah. And we've been there now. Yeah, like I said, eleven years. We, um, <clears throat> you know, I've always done hospitality to to kind of get by the sort of proverbial actor uh, slash waiter, you know, because of the flexibility. And so when we got there, I was like, well, I'm just going to fall back on that, of course, and we'll continue to pursue acting. And she was doing a, a lot of the same stuff. But it didn't take long for me to realize, okay, New York is expensive and I need to make a little bit more money doing right, this. So right. I I kind of fudged my resume a little bit and went looking for bartending jobs. As we all do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, the first place that I got hired at was a wine bar, first and foremost. It was up on the, uh, on the Upper East Side. Okay. Um, they were kind enough to just take me in because they had a lot of just sort of dead shifts and they knew that I was a novice and they, they I think, were interested in taking me on because I didn't come with bad habits. Yeah, yeah. So they could yeah. kind of train me th- yeah. the way they wanted to. But in spite of being a wine bar, they had some really, um, they had a very small menu of, of classic cocktails and a, and a pretty decently stocked back bar. So I, I started learning to play pretty early. Okay. Uh, and some of the cocktails they had, like Death in the Afternoon and The Last Word, which is one of my all-time favorite cocktails. Interesting. Very esoteric stuff that um, I 
just fell head over heels with cocktails. So were they a craft cocktail style bar? No, they were first and foremost wine. They, okay. It was like a lot of Spanish and, and Latin style wines, and um, they just happened to. There was a bit of a jazz, like New Orleans, you know, jazz age kind of vibe to it, and so they did have like Vucarés and some things like that there okay. as well. Um, but I, again, I just got a crash course in cocktails and yeah. t- and took to like get take buying books and uh, uh, you know the and YouTube videos were already pretty prominent at that time, um, and so I hadn't really bartended much at all until I got to New York and it just, oh, it swept me okay. off my feet and I kind of left the acting in the dust. I was like, I don't really want to go audition anymore. Oh, wow. Okay. So you decided I'm going to make this my new career. Well, because you know what, it, it, in the end it, it proved to be a creative outlet mm-hmm. because the thing that you learn about it as an actor is that you're, you're looking for well, work more often than you're working. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say that you have the traits of a creative person because if you were an artist and you were doing illustration and drawing and that kind of stuff, and then you're an actor and then you're, you're a bartender, that's all a creative lean on, on how you live your life, right? right. You're not an accountant is no, what I'm saying. Right. No, right? exactly. Exactly. So everything that you're doing is coming from a creative perspective. Mm-hmm. So it's a natural fit, I guess, in that, in, in that particular angle, but you know, the reason why I asked if the place that you started working at had a craft cocktail lean to it is that some guys maybe that are bartenders or have the potential to be great craft cocktail bartenders. Maybe that's not where they got their start. Maybe they got their start at a TGIF and then, you know, they end up getting mixed up in, they just never find their way into the right kind of bar, the right kind of environment. Yeah. And they never develop in that way. And then now they're flipping bottles behind their back and doing this stupid doing, shit. Doing all, yeah, it's like, do, doing the, the flair, all the flair bartending and the flair, that's and like, like, doesn't make a cocktail good. <laughs> yeah, like, look, I know that there are some bar, flair bartenders that can make good cocktails. Sure, sure. There are. Oh, yeah, yeah I've but, seen it. Yeah, I have too. And that can actually make accurate pours and all that kind of stuff mm. as flair bartenders. Yes. Right. But in some ways, I also look at them and I think, and no diss to our flair bartender friends, if I have any listening, (laughs) which I don't think I do. But sometimes it almost looks like, okay, the potential went the wrong direction. Maybe this guy, like he's, he's a creative guy and he learned how to do like this particular trick. But maybe instead the creativity should have gone down like the path of creating this pistache daiquiri right you know right or you know what i'm or saying like castle. yeah, yeah like the, their creativity <laughs> went down a different direction and i don't know if it, what i'm saying is you know uh if it's making any sense but like no it the, makes the, perfect the, sense the potential so. got directed in the wrong way yeah it, well because they got they got locked into a, a just a, a specific spot that didn't really right. didn't really lean on the the craft element and and kind of make them sure they have sure. to dig it very deep for that yeah yeah uh, because for me it was always kind of like reaching at straws you know i or uh, grasping for straws i was not most of my friends who uh, had been doing this way longer than me all had uh, in essence a, a mentorship of some kind or had people to lean on and they learned from and these were the days before youtube videos and and uh, the internet to really like guide you in in the way of ways mm-hmm. of making cocktails um, now there's an abundance of cocktail books and YouTube videos and tutorials. Good ones. And, and they're great. They're Good excellent. Ones. Yeah. Not ones that just give you recipes and, and, and tell you like really basic stuff, but no, ones that just, you're getting the history. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. They'll break, excellent. they'll break down rum styles and they'll mm-hmm. break down like 
all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these people know their their stuff, and they're so you know I was. I was kind of getting in on that and that is really what made me just kind of take off. Um, which I guess is uh, an appropriate segue to, to Tiki because really I, it was sure. only a couple years sure. in, it was only a couple years in of me doing bartending that I, I started with the, uh, I kind of started toying with the cocktail, the tropicals a little bit. And, um, I, it, it was just such a natural fit. Yeah. Yeah. It was such a natural fit. And people always ask, well, what, you know, how'd you get into Tiki? Um, and that's, it's kind of a broad question because everybody sure. has a different avenue. I think a lot of people, everybody has into, a different angle. Yeah. A lot of people have, a, you know, they, they find it through the cocktails, which was certainly my sure. experience. Some people find it through the music. Sure. Um, some people find, find it, through it through the, the, the fashion, ar- the architecture. The, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. They, they find it through surf culture. They right. find it through hot rodding. They yeah, find so it many through, different ways. through antiquing, right. maybe collecting like, you know, certain vintage, um, cocktail wear or vintage yeah ceramics or vintage clothing yeah i mean the tiki touches everything it really does it's and that's why people are always people who don't do tiki or know that much about it and realize that it's it's quite a thing these days and it's never completely gone away mm-hmm. is that it really is um, a lifestyle for a lot of people it's very encompassing sure, because sure. it has all those elements yeah. which um that's you know that's sort of the the abridged answer that I give people. It's like, well, okay, how do, well, why do I love Tiki? Because it is the, it's the thing in my life that actually has for the first time converged and married all those passions in those stages of my life. The That's art, a great answer. The art. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. theater. That's a great the mixology. Yeah, yeah. Because I can do it all in yeah. Tiki. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. And add to that, that I, I've always had this draw to tropicals anyway. Sure, like sure. I've, I mean, pineapple and mango and coconut. These have always been like my favorite fruit flavors, right? As a kid. And I have memories as a child being here in Southern California, going to families' houses and going, seeing their swimming pools, you know, just uh, surrounded by lush jungle foliage and waterfalls and colorful lights. And it left an impression on me. So I've always been into that and fascinated by it. Let me ask you about Tiki in New York. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we talked about this. I feel like we have touched on it a little bit because... You know, it, it I seems think on like the phone. Yeah, we had a little, yeah, we did on the phone. conversation of, about of that. all places that you would think would have some kind of tiki culture. You'd think that New York, as eclectic as it is, would have something. Mm-hmm. But it's always been some kind of a vast wasteland for tiki. Yes. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I think there I think there are a variety of reasons for that. Um, it, it's yeah, it's. You know, go figure. One of the the premier cocktail destinations of the world. You know, such a a, a, a culturally rich and and creative city as New York, and where bars are just booming and opening a new one. You know, on every corner, Tiki just can't survive out there. And I I think part of it has to do with overhead because it, it mm-hmm. from a bar owner's perspective, it can be an expensive, expensive endeavor. Yeah. Um, you know, just the decor and the artifacts and get, getting mugs designed and specialty glass. And even the real and estate the, in New York, the real right. estate is, is outrageous. And so if you, like to have even a decent amount of square footage right. to, to take people in. Right. And then, you know, just in your, um, your, your juicing and your, um, your batching and, sir- right. and syrup making right. and all that, right. there's a lot of fresh things that go yeah. into Tiki yeah. because yeah. it's all about the fresh. It's all of course. about, you know, the different, spices and the fruits and all that stuff need to be sourced so that stuff becomes costly if it's not being turned yeah yeah uh if it's not if you're not going through that product you know it's very wasteful and can be so i think that's i think that's one aspect i think people are also um they can be uh 
probably uh, well i've heard people say that maybe new york's just too snobby for for okay. I, I mean i don't know if that's an entirely fair assessment because people have tried to do it there um but the the but they're i think always a little afraid to dive head in to mm-hmm. the tiki eye aesthetic or uh or some other element of it mm-hmm. you know i mean you get something like auto shrunken head right well this is it's sort of the playful idea of tiki because we're talking about like a surf rock bar and it's very divey and they all make you a zombie but it's not it's a place though that the purists would scoff at yeah yeah because they're know? and people come I mean, <laughs> there there if they were doing what i'm doing and they're doing this tiki tour and they hadn't right. done their research and they realized that autos is is what it is that they, they are always disappointed to go yeah yeah you know and that's the thing is that <laughs> You know, look, if you're going to New York and you're going to expect something that's like a Trader Vic's or a Maikai, you're just going to disappoint yourself. Adjust your expectations is what I always say, right? Yes, yes. I mean, like, look, you're in New York, you want tiki, don't scoff at all they've got. Like, if you want tiki and that's what they got, adjust your expectations and enjoy it while you're there. Yeah. Uh, But I will say, and to add to that, that although there aren't a lot of great uh, tiki bars, you know, per se, so many bartenders like myself... And some of my friends that I do tiki pop-ups with, I mean, that's really kind of how tiki exists out there. It's just through the through underground pop-ups. and, and yeah. pop-up culture. I do pop-ups. Uh, I'm, I'm involved with the Exotica series with Garrett Richard, who's a friend of mine, um, and Jimmy Cologne. Uh, that's kind of how it exists and thrives. And you set there, up all of Garrett's stuff too, right? What's that? You set up all his uh I, I design. Right? I do the de- decor, yeah, for, yeah, for that yeah. for that uh, series. And I remember him giving you a shout-out about that. He, oh, yeah. He told me that when he was on the podcast. Yeah, when he was on the podcast. So, yeah. <laughs> I still got that, I, I got that eyedropper over there with oh, Saline yeah, in Saline it. Saline is so right here. I'm looking at it, man. I hope if you're hearing this. Um, yeah. So, but that is how it kind of exists. And, and, and outside of that, even, there are so many bartenders who love Tiki. They don't have a place to work that they can call home as a Tiki bar but they know how to make so see, many of the classic is, tiki drinks. So if you want to, so this Mike's, is what I mean. Yeah, right? you can go to New York and get an awesome tiki drink. You just aren't going to be surrounded in the frills of of the tiki environs. So that, uh, I, you know, if there's bartenders out there that want to make tiki drinks, and I'm sure there's people that seek it out. Yeah, it seems like that there would be some kind of a market for it. But right, right. Um, you know, there. Well, and they're also the just the the. The classic examples of the, you know, the home bartending craft is just really mm-hmm. taking off. And I think a lot of the literature that we have now is geared towards that. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think you're right. I, and I have, I have friends who have projects in the works and friends who've released uh, books. And, um, and you know, my wife and I, went, we haven't done it for a few years, but we, we started slowly gaining a following as being people that were throwing this awesome tiki party every year. We have right, an annual right. tiki party. Very cool. Uh, and I have a storage unit. In New York City, because we have, we live in a one bedroom apartment, mm-hmm. um, and we would get, the last one we did uh, like three years ago had eighty people show up, and Holy not all moly. at the same time, but you know it was right. like it was it was <laughs> a, a swamp in there. Everybody's like, a open one, the one windows, apartment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, but to to house all that, like I, we you know we don't live in in sort of the throes of tiki all the time. So yeah. I convert the yeah. entire space, and it takes about three weeks to decorate wow. it. Uh, and then another three weeks to tear it all down. So wow. there was no place to keep it except in a storage unit. So we, as it outgrew the the, the space, we we got a storage unit yeah. down the street, and that's uh, <laughs> and and you know, I guess the other people that I know used to do this are the um, the Desmonds, Joe, um, Joe and Nicole. They have uh, the Rum Rum Room that okay. they you know I believe they used to live in Murray Hill. I want to say, um, 
but now they're in Brooklyn and they haven't done that for a while either. They used to have live macaws flying yeah, around their yeah. place and all that. Yeah. Wow. So, Crazy. so, so it's out there. It is there, but it's just, you know, like, where are the bars? We want the bars too. Yeah. 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 So tell me about the, the adjustment period that you had to go through, because as a Californian, we do a lot of things so differently. Oh yeah. Right. The car culture is the first thing that I can think of. Of course. And the wide open spaces, even though like things are starting to get super crowded out here, it's just so condensed out there. You know, like there's so many millions of people living in Mm -hmm. a small small place. Yeah. Area. What was the transition like? And was there any culture shock for you? Um, so we didn't just move there without having been to New York, but we had only visited once. So we, we knew that we were kind of toying with the idea of moving. So in, so in 2008, a couple of years before we moved there, we, we went ahead and took a trip, uh, just to kind of feel it out. And it was in January, so it was cold. Yeah, so we knew, yeah. We, yeah. So that was, if you're going to move to a cold place, go when it's cold, if you're going to feel it out so you can really see what it's about. Um, it wasn't There's a lot of people that do that. They, they move to a place that's great in summer. And yeah. then they move out there they don't, in summer yeah. and they think like, oh my God, this winter is so brutal. I think it was somebody that I knew that <laughs> moved to the Chicago area, Oh my God! visited during summer, always went there during summer, thought, oh, I love it out here. I'm going to move here, moved yeah. out there in summer mm-hmm. and had the most brutal winter of their life. Oh, right. my, my niece, yeah, she went to, um, she went to a college in, in upstate New York. And she grew up here in Southern California. <laughs> and the mistake that she made one time was she walked out in the wintertime with wet hair. And she's like, oh, yeah, I learned the hard way. You never walk outside with wet hair in upstate New York during winter. You know? <laughs> it all froze. Yeah, it all froze. Her ponytail was just like a, <laughs> a popsicle. <laughs> you could and break I, it off. I don't know. Like, I never visited her in upstate when she was living in upstate. But she, she moved to Texas. She lives in Texas now. But Okay. She got as far away from that cold as she could. She went there for college, okay, and then sure. she lived in Brooklyn for a little bit after graduation. Yeah. And at one point, she moved back here to California, but then... She married a guy and he had a startup that he moved to Texas, I think, for lots of different reasons. Yeah. Cost of living. And then I think also like the tax situation or whatever. Right. And so she ended up over there. But uh, the cold, the cold, I'd never been <laughs> I'd never been out there during the winter time. So I I did I don't know if it's one of these places where you can throw a pot of hot water into the air and it turns into snow right away. Right, right. But if it is, and you walk out and and you know my buddies in Wisconsin do it. Yeah. A pot of boiling hot water, yeah. they throw it into the air and it turns into into snow, snow right, right away. away. Yeah. Right. If it's one of those places, her wet hair probably just froze, froze. into a yeah, yeah yeah to a block of ice. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, we're we have again we've been there eleven years and in the, I'd say maybe twice that we hit like sub sub zero temperatures. Okay. Um, so it hasn't gotten that cold, but I will say the very, first, it's crazy because we were kind of, it was everybody that, you know, on, on the East coast, I have a few family members on the East coast and they were just laughing that that winter, when we landed our first winter there, we got there in September. Right. And we took that tour or road trip and we finally landed. Yeah, the weather was gorgeous. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we stuck it out we, experienced our first winter we lived in brooklyn at at the time and it was i think on record like the third or fourth 
greatest amount of snowfall in oh his, on, on record in New York. And so that's what we moved to for our first winter. So you had what to be like, doing? oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. We were like, oh my, what, what, what happened? This, right. well, didn't we come in January? This didn't right, happen right, right. when we were here. So, um, and we had our car because we had drove, uh, we had driven cross country with it and I just put a tarp over it and it sat in the same spot for like three months because it's that initial snowfall it was the day after wow. Christmas. I remember it was, it was nuts. And the drifts were like over our heads. I mean, because of the plowing and then we looking out our window and we're seeing buses and cars and everything just getting like stuck in the snow because yeah. it was that much of it. And it was, it was sure fun to go out and play in it the next day, but it didn't leave. It stayed all winter, one snowfall after another. And it was, it was brutal. That's gotta suck. So it was crazy because yeah, we had our car and like, what do I don't know how to like, keep my car in the winter yeah. what do we do so we just covered it left it there we eventually got rid of it you know we yeah got yeah to, like i mean that back to your original question yeah the, like now we have a car because you have a doing, car again yeah we had to get one we got it just before this trip that we took but yeah. it, but we need we obviously needed it yeah. and if we want to move back we're going to need a car anyway so we're we're kind of gearing up for that but we went all that time without a car and then that's that's really one of the beauty beauties of, of living in New York is just mm-hmm. having like, you can go out and you can kind of get wasted at these bars and you just know that you've got a, a way home. I've got a way so home. easily. I have so a easily. buddy who grew up in long Island and he didn't need a car until he came to California mm-hmm. and he had to get a driver's license because yeah. he never had one his whole life. He right. never needed it. Right. Yeah. A lot of New Yorkers, yeah, you know, they just don't even bother with it. Like why, what, you know, you can, you can exist in a city like that. You can get around never needing to know how to drive. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of nuts. I actually know a lot of people that don't have licenses and never have. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> I know. So you're thinking about moving back here to Cali. I mean, you've probably already been established as a New Yorker, right? You were out yeah. there for over a decade. Yeah. yeah. And so you've adopted to the lifestyle mm-hmm. and adapted to the way that they do things. Yeah. And it's probably reverse culture shock now coming back home. Yes. And you know why? Because when I was here four years ago, I was out here for a buddy's wedding I was that I was in and I didn't really get to visit with people too much. But like that was in October. And mm-hmm. now here we are, August and just the I don't remember it being this hot. Well, you have to, you know, adju- like, you know they say you have to adjust. Yeah. Uh, you can live in this kind of weather, but it takes a while to acclimate. Now we're used to cold and we right. can handle that. Right. Our body temperature or something has adjusted to the to East that. Coast temperatures. Yeah. And coming back here now, we're this is almost a little too much for us. And, but this is what we were born in yeah. or, and raised in. Yeah, I know. It's funny, right? Because yeah. I know people that were Doug, Doug Horn, for example, a yeah. tiki artist. Uh-huh. He Beautiful grew work. up in, yeah, he's awesome. He grew up in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And then he moved out here to California and he's like, oh, yeah, he's like, I forgot. I've I'm already so adjusted to living the the California weather that when I go back to Phoenix in the middle of summer, it's like oh my god, how did I ever live here? Yeah, yeah, you know, it's an, it's insane. Yeah, your body just lo- always looking for the comfort zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to f- talk about your cocktails. Okay, if you insist, of- <laughs> I'll if you insist, I'll drink this. Speaking of, yeah, this is the that's sandcastle. The, that's right? the sandcastle. Yeah, sandcastle. Sliding, that's got, it slides nicely it's across. Got Twelve the bar. year old whiskey in it. All right. <laughs> I'll drink this. Please do. I want to talk to you about your cocktails because you made three cocktails for us. Mm-hmm. Thank you, by the way. Yes, absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm just, oh. the, your, your bar is just stunning. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It's a gorgeous room. And you, I, I saw a video you were explaining that you made a lot of these lamps. You, you built a lot of these? I made most things? of them. I didn't make all of them. Okay. Like this big one in the middle. Right. 
I didn't make that. Okay. That one in the, the corner over yeah. there, that's just one piece of bamboo. Oh. If you look at the very top, see you'll that. see that just that neck is just one piece of bamboo and it's split. And then you see how I they do like see that, made, yeah. made a teardrop out of it. Yeah. You just kind of push down on it and get that bow. And that other one in the corner was from Oceanic Arts. Okay. But all the other ones I made, they're yeah. not as hard as they look. I mean, I have a little bit of creativity in my blood, too. You mm-hmm. know, my dad was an architect, and at, in a previous life I was an architect because I was following in his footsteps. And um, he went to art school. I went to art school. Uh, I like making things. Oh, you did? Where, it, which, it's, which art school did you go? I, I didn't go specifically to art school. I went to school for art. I studied graphic design and, and drawing and, and that kind you of did. stuff. Wow. Because I... I have this creative bone in me, you know, mm-hmm. um, I never really pursued it. Uh, I, I, I went down several paths because I, I wanted to be more financially stable. Yeah. And when I talked to you earlier about, oh, you have this creative lean to you, you know, all of us have this creative or not. I shouldn't say all of us have this creative. All of us have a specific thing in our personality that we thrive on if we pursue that. Yeah. Right. Right. And. You know, I pursued a technical path, and I hated it. Yeah, some of my coworkers just they just loved it. In mm-hmm. in their minds, it was a puzzle to be solved. Sure. In my mind, it was me fixing everyone's problems, me <laughs> fixing everyone's broken things. You know, every day. Yeah. And so we saw it in a different way, and that's that's just how our minds were different. You know. Mm-hmm. So as a creative person, like I do these content creation right i do the, the podcast and then i do the video show and i you know this is all creative stuff like to me i enjoy that more oh absolutely know? yeah i'm less analytical and i'm more creative and and um you know like a, when i make the lamps in here or i or i do other little pieces of art maybe like i'll do stuff to tiki mugs or whatever it's very therapeutic to me cool you know yeah um well, that's like me. I actually, you know, through theater as an outlet, you know, of course, acting was was always. Are, are you a, a still given. acting at all? Or, or I haven't really done anything with it for a while. You know, my wife, she's a, um, uh, she's a child's entertainer and okay. um, educator, and she has her own uh, business called Sunny Songsters and um, a business partner that they've, you know, they create a lot of content for. And during lockdown from New York, you know, that was like the epicenter of the world for sure. right back like in March there in Queens and Jackson Heights. We're like, we weren't far from it. So um, her business partner's parents lived out in Maine, like down East, maybe an hour from the Canadian border, right on the coast, gorgeous, uh, like 30, over 30 acres of property. There yeah, was a yeah, guest yeah. house there. And we're like, wow. that's perfect. Let's 30 just, acres. Let's, yeah. Let's just get the hell out of here and yeah. go up there so that you guys can go online and continue to do yeah, your classes. Yeah. Cause yeah. they, they have a roster of classes that they do. Um, and then because we were all kind of holed up together, yeah. uh, I wasn't bartending at that time. Like that opportunity okay. kind of all got right. away from me there, obviously nobody to bartend for except my housemates. Yeah. Um, we, we kind of started creating online content as well and started doing these video series and there's a lot of like puppetry and things like that. So gotcha. that's, I, so I just drew on my theatrical roots to help film the, the videos and write some scripts and perform, uh, you know, some of the puppet voices. So my, you know, background and impersonations and things really came in handy there. Oh, I love that. But yeah, I love but, that. um, yeah. I'm, so I'm going to ask for an impersonation. Oh no. <laughs> We don't have to do it. I'm we don't have to do it now. It too much. We don't have to do it now. But I, I do. I, I do kind of want to get into the cocktail thing because yes, of course, these three cocktails that we just made, 
are completely different from each other, but each one is perfectly balanced. They each have their own personality. Thank you. And I'm curious. So I was telling you earlier, and and I've said this to other people, Mm. you know, craft cocktails to me are like mini desserts. Yeah. It's like walking into a candy store or walking into an ice cream shop and I want to try all of it. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I go to a new bar, I discover a new bartender, I have someone like you over who makes excellent drinks and now I want to try everything. So we have these three and I'm just, I'm so curious about what else you can make because when we were talking about doing this podcast, you said, well, I've narrowed it down to the five that I think I'm going to choose from. And then from those, I'll narrow it down even more. Right. And now I'm thinking like, (laughs) well, shoot, we should have done the five, right? (laughs) So, so so, surrounded in drinks here. So I'm curious about your process because as an amateur bartender, like, you know, I don't, I don't even like calling myself a bartender because I've never worked in a bar. Mm -hmm. So I make drinks at home. Yeah. And I like to think that I know more than the average person, Mm -hmm. maybe not more than the average tiki person, because tiki people know a lot about cocktails, but more than the average non-tiki person, I like to think I know more, Mm -hmm. right? Well, and you've been doing this a while, so you've got a lot of the the history of this. Well, well, yeah, I just, I don't have bar experience, but the the thing is that I use a lot of cheats to make my drinks. Like I have friends, you know, tiki and non that will say, oh, this is a good drink. How did you make this? And 90% 90% of what I make, I make on the fly because I use formulas. Yeah. Right. I right. use like the golden ratio or I'll use like a daiquiri formula. Yeah. To make like, I'll think like, okay, here's my daiquiri formula. Yeah. Right. And this is what I have for sweetener. This is what I have for tart. This is what I have for, for spirit. Yeah. And I'll make something with that. You know, nine out of 10 times, even the golden ratio, nine out of 10 times, you'll get something good. And if, if I do a taste test with a straw before I serve it, I can tweak it accordingly so that it's balanced. Sure. And people are like super impressed by that. But it's yeah. it's really just a golden ratio. But right. that's how I do it because I don't have the experience. Sure. How do you do it? Like, how do you come up with like these three? What was your process on these three? Well, <clears throat> It's different for each drink because sometimes uh, it might just be a concept of flavors that maybe I'm I want to challenge myself to see if I can kind of oh, gotcha. get them in the same room together and 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 work. Um, other times it's just a f- it might just seem like a a funny idea for a cocktail like a name. You know, sometimes a name. I know this happens to me probably more often than I should admit, but sometimes I just get a great idea for a name. I'm like, well, what would that cocktail be? Gotcha. And then I'll just kind of reverse engineer from a name almost. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, because that's such a cool sounding cocktail. Like I want to, I would want to read that on a menu and then it would, would, you know, begs the question what's in that. And I would read further. Um, But often I'm, you know, in New York, I work at uh, Upland and that is a um, more of a restaurant than a bar. Okay. But it's a, you know, and it's very wine centric. It's it's kind of like an Italian slash Cal- with an Italian restaurant or cuisine with um, California inspiration. Yeah. Right. Up, Upland, California. That's where our chef is from. So there's, a, um, but there's a lot of seriousness in the bar program. And uh, when I took over as head bartender, I was given just total like free reign. Blood. Yeah. Just total autonomy to, you know, of course I test the cocktails out on management and, um, and I try to get, 
I, I was trying to get uh, ideas from the rest of the staff, but it really boils down to creating a menu. You know, we would average like 10 drinks, right? Sure. I built up most of my roster of cocktails that I have by working there over the last five years and having every season like four four legit menus, you know, yeah, so, yeah. for all four seasons uh, and changing out almost all 10 cocktails every time for, um, you know, the, the seasonality of it, the fresh ingredients. And so if I were to give an idea to somebody in, behind the bar, like, Hey, we need to slot, like I'm, I'm, Hey, somebody want to work on a tequila drink? Cause I haven't got anything right now. Gotcha. Um, or, but um, I mean, are you also, are you riffing on classics or are you, are you just, I know that like, for example, chefs know what flavors go together. So let's just say like from a bartending perspective, mm-hmm. I know that like lime and cherry go good together. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there are certain flavor pairings that are a natural uh, yeah. and certain spirit pairings, mm-hmm. um, which, again, I credit Tiki for because I feel like that's sort of that's everywhere now. Everybody's mixing spirits. But that mm-hmm. I feel like that I mean, really before Tiki, that people weren't doing that. Right. Um, and I know a lot of that came from Don. Because yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was filling the gaps with 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 mixing spirits by saying like, well, I need this kind of flavor. This is the kind of flavor I'm looking forward to. Yep. And there's nothing that exists, but if I mix this and I mix this, right. it gets close. It gets closer. It's yeah. just creating a new, a new flavor profile by mixing two bottles together. And the, mm-hmm. the, the, the result is greater than the sum of their, sure. Any yeah. individual yeah. bottle yeah. basically. Um, yeah, and he was the first to do that. You nobody like that's such a practice now. And Vic did it too. Trader Vic was mixing gins and brandies and and um, and rums and sherries and all these things together in one drink. And who nobody was doing that. And you and did now, that with the sandcastle. And that's the sandcastle. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. You mix that. You mix that twelve year Appleton with that twelve year with uh, a twelve year whiskey. Whiskey. Yeah. yeah. Irish whiskey. The Napogue Castle. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's a delicious whiskey. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, well, the drink is like it's 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 really um, what I love about this drink. Actually, all these drinks. But what I love about the thing about a layered cocktail, mm-hmm. you know, when I make a dish, it's sometimes like all the flavors get lost. Not that the dish becomes a specific flavor heavy, but when you mix, it's like mixing paint, right? You mix red and blue and green and yellow. Yeah. And you're not going to see the red and the blue and the green and the yellow. Mm-hmm. It's going to be whatever color it ends up being. But when you make a cocktail properly, you taste the red and you taste the blue yep. and you taste the green. All and the you colors taste are the, there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, no, that's you a great, taste great way all. to put it. I love it. It's this, the, I look at it like um, fried rice. Mm-hmm. You make fried rice and then you taste like, like I put in my fried rice. Like the other day I made fried rice. Uh, I made spam fried rice. Mm-hmm. Cause I had spam and I had, I had uh, onions and I and I put a fried egg in it, right? Yeah. And you taste all the different flavors separately, mm. but there's a, <laughs> a a specific overall flavor to it. Sure. Right. And um, but when it's layered like that, like this cocktail, right? That that's just this particular one. Actually, all these, like I said, I taste all those layers. It's so creative the way the the flavors come together to create a one whole flavor. Absolutely, very cohesive because it's a it's a whole new it's a whole new flavor experience, and that's why I was saying that sometimes um, that is sometimes an approach to cocktail creation as well is that you're after uh, you know you might be on a mission to get 
these two ingredients in bed together that maybe yeah. don't sound right, but you know, if there's a, uh, there's a bridging ingredient somewhere that will make that happen. And that's why you might have to make it a dozen times or more before you really land. So on there's that. a lot of experimentation. Oh, absolutely. And you know, a lot of times it happens on the first try. I think, I think, um, like that, the sandcastle, I probably had to tweak that a few times before I really nailed down the ratios so that it was balanced. Um, but I think the puka lapu that was just like right out the gate. I was just is, throwing is there, things together. And okay. I was like, this is delicious. <laughs> that, that's great. That's really and just, great. And it happens sometimes. Who would have ever thought that those two would just blend like that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So uh, is there ever an effort that you you go through where you say, I know I can make this work, but then like 30 drinks later you say, yes. you know what? Oh, it happens so all it the time. Happens, and yeah. I, I end up scrapping it. Yeah, it's like, well, this was a fun idea, but I just don't know that. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I tried. I give myself credit for, you know, working on the drink, but... Um, or I won't know, I won't throw it out completely, but it just goes in a whole different direction. And it's like, you know, for better or worse, I can, all I can say is that the, the effort to create this cocktail was inspired by this, this mission, but now it's a whole different. Trend. Right, right. Oh, yeah. and then, and then you actually come up with something it might. as a, an yeah. accident uh-huh. to creating something, trying to create something else. That, yeah. And that happens quite a bit too. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. And that's, and like you said, you're not trying to like you don't always know what you're going to create you just want to you were just kind of dead set on mixing certain ingredients together and you know um you know if you've done it for a while and you've played with the the different combinations that are famous um then you like like um you know peppered strawberries right like you cut you should know kind of what that tastes like but if you just take those two things and then you start kind of working the, I guess, peripheral flavors to that, you don't necessarily know what it's going to do with that, that core, uh, inspiration, right. You know, until you've really started playing around with it a lot. And, um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it helps to have the, the idea because if you just start grabbing bottles, right. I mean, that can be fun too, but it gets messy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't really have a direction if you just start grabbing bottles. Like, yeah. Your, your, your first approach really is the right way because there's no chef that does this does that either. No, they just start no. grabbing ingredients right. and right. throwing them into a pan. Like, Absolutely. And, yeah. and they're doing, if, if they are, they're doing it with, with purpose to create something that is to, that's already based on something. So I guess to answer your previous question, yeah, I, I think the majority – Every single one of these three drinks is based on or is a riff in some way on a classic. I think every class, every drink that's out there now really kind of exists um, because the idea was was an evolution from something that already existed. Right. Uh, and you can take you can take somebody else's riff on a classic, which might be a modern classic in its own right. But now that's being riffed. And so that's how cocktails sure. continue to sure. evolve. You sure. know, just one little tweak and it'll take off and yeah. And co- I think cocktail culture is really fascinating like that. I've got a question for you as a mm-hmm. bartender. Sure. This is one of the mysteries of the universe. Maybe you have an answer for me. Okay. So I've asked this before. I think I asked this to Garrett. I don't remember if I did, but I'm going to ask you. Mm-hmm. So I, I look at bartending in the same way that I look at culinary arts. The only difference is that you're dealing with liquids and still instead of solids, right? right? But we have these great chefs like Gordon Ramsay, yeah. 
and Emeril Lagasse mm-hmm. and Wolfgang Puck, yeah. they're all celebrated for not only their creations, but their pedigrees, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. This guy went to this school. He went to the Cordon Bleu, and this yeah. guy went to this school, and this guy went to this school, and he trained under this guy, and he, blah, 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 blah. Right. But if a bartender comes into a bar and he went to a bartending school, <laughs> boy, is he shunned yeah. at, right? Yeah, yeah. And And it's like, well, you know, these chefs, I mean, these guys are all creative. They're artists with their dishes. And I just look at bartending in like from a liquid perspective, right? It's a culinary art. Yeah. It's no, a culinary totally art. You're dealing uh, with and, strong, and more strongly skills, flavored ingredients. Like, yeah. And there's... But like if you are taught formally the way that that a chef is taught, it's like really frowned upon. Yeah, right? it's like you got to be scrappy and have gotten. Like dirty you have or to something. learn the hard way yeah, as yeah. a bartender. Right. Where if if a chef did that, they would be scoffed at because like oh he didn't even go to school. Yeah. Right. He just he just started learning by working at Applebee's. Yeah. He just started learning by he was a chef from Denny's and like he doesn't mm-hmm. even belong Short here. Short order cook. And, he's not educated. Yeah. Yeah. But the can't, exact, you can't climb the ranks the same way. It's different. It's the exact it's, opposite with yeah. bartending. Right. Why is that? I don't know. It's you're right. There's a there's a certain there's a certain love of that that pedigree in in. Um, in the kitchen and then behind the bar. Um, it's a mystery think, of the universe to me, right? It, yeah. It's like, why? Like, I don't get that. You know, like if, oh, you come in here, uh, you know, a friend of mine um, who is a bartender at, at that shall remain unnamed sure. uh, from the Tonga hut named Sid. Said to me, <laughs> "Hey, said, said to me, <laughs> I'm hoping said, to see you tomorrow." <laughs> said to me, "If you come in with a resume that shows you went to a bartending school, I'm throwing it out." Oh man, <laughs> right? yes, of course. And I thought, like, well, why? It just shows that he took the steps necessary to educate himself in a career that he wants to thrive in. Yeah, <laughs> but you know why? I, I think I love you, Sid. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think when you're kind of. You know, that's a very interesting question, and, I, and nobody's asked me that before, but it's absolutely true, and I think that part Has of the reason— Has it thought crossed your mind, though, at all, Well, well it hadn't, but you're, but now that you're saying so, I'm. it's it's very clear that that is— It's kind of weird, it right? It's yeah, weird to me. Yeah, because I would, I would, I would kind of raise my eyebrows a little, too. When, right. If I, well, if I'm—because I've had to be—you know, I'm, I'm, I'm brought in on the hiring process sometimes, and—, and, and uh, I don't. I don't see that a lot. I don't see people saying that they've gone to a school like a bartending school. Like you know, I, when I got out to New York, I thought maybe that I needed to do that, and I went to like a two day thing. I don't like. I was never asked for a certification. I never put it on my resume. But it's at, not necessary. As somebody that is a hiring person, like if you've been on the hiring side before, you're not going to hire somebody that wasn't trained, right? Right. But- you're trained. Well, see again. So my first spot, they took me on knowing that I was a novice because they could train me themselves. Okay. But that is um, that's not common, you, especially if you're trying to get in someplace that's already very established and is busy and and you know accredited. You're, you're going to want to you're going to want to have somebody with experience. And there's all these you know prerequisites. Not train. Not but school. the experience can't be formal experience. It can't be formal experience. It's got to be like hands on experience, <laughs> right. where it's like you two years, four years, right, whatever, right, behind right. a reputable bar. Right. And I and my I guess my my theory and and I guess the best way I could answer that would be that people in the kitchen don't deal with guests. Okay. 
I think that it probably has a lot to do with that because you can't learn that at, the, okay. at a yeah. bartending yeah. school. Okay. That's right. where right. you're going, going to be All different. Right. It's, okay. I mean, we're talking, of course, we're having conversations about, you know, the mixology and the craft element of bartending, but there's so much more to bartending than just creating the cocktails. There's so, I mean, you're wearing so many hats and balancing sure, I got it all. It. It's, a, it's a really but rigorous it, it, job. In some ways, though, it, it establishes some kind of foundation. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, they learn about the basics, right? Sure. So at the very least, like, they can hit the ground running making basic drinks for you. Yeah. Right. I mean, like all that stuff dealing with customers and all that, you, there's no other way to learn it. But. There, right. But, you know, also there aren't, unlike with um, the culinary arts and actually going to, uh, you know, a, a school for to like learn about food and techniques and, yeah. and all that, th- like you're not being taught that well in any of these bartending programs. Okay. There are probably only one or two really that yeah. are worth giving it a shot that like could could really help you. Okay. Otherwise, they could take you backwards. You're you're now just learning how to make, you know, adios motherfuckers or right, or, right. you know, or or whatever, some silly or drink. Shots or, yeah, or, or some just, silly drink that Island, like that's yeah. that's not relevant here because we're 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 ahead now. We're further than gotcha. that. Got you. Yeah. And that's the kind of programming that I think is being taught more often than not, and that's probably why it would be the kind of thing to scoff at. Gotcha. It's like, well, if the if the educational aspect of bartending, if those training programs were to catch up to speed, maybe that would change the game a little bit, but I think yeah. it's because the programs themselves are probably not that great. Yeah. They're yeah. not teaching. They're telling you how to go out and work. You know, um, they're not teaching you craft. They're teaching you speed and, you know, that mental Rolodex of, of class of, of just silly Rolodex, drinks yeah, yeah. so that you can bang out. You can bang out all these, you know, uh, you know how to do an entire row of, of vodka tonics in a nightclub or something like that. You know, that's the kind of bartender they're training gotcha. you to be. Yeah. I think that's they're not training mixologists. They're they're training guys to work at wedding receptions and hotel bars. Yeah, I I think that's I think that's fair. I think that that's in my experience. I mean, yeah, I think that that's probably what's going on and why it is probably not as embraced. Gotcha. All right. (laughs) Or even scoffed at. Okay. cool. Cool. Let's talk about your road trip, because. Yeah. Fortunately for me, I was able to snag you for a little bit and. (laughs) You're about halfway through what an eleven week road trip. Eleven weeks, eighty bars was the goal. Pretty ambitious. I mean, there's like a hundred and fifty bars. Are they all tiki, tiki bars? bars that you want? Oh yeah, to do? we won't do any. Okay. I'm, yeah, I mean, people are recommending places when we go to these cities. Like, oh, you got to check out this place. It's a great bar. I'm like, but is it a tiki bar? I'm not uh-huh. I, I, because I don't have the time for that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. already very, very yeah, tight. Yeah, yeah. And trying to squeeze it all in. It's an, ambi- an ambitious goal, you know, 80 bars in 11 weeks. We've so, devoted so our summer to it. What have you seen so far, mm-hmm. and not just from the tiki side, but what have you learned along the way? Not just tiki stuff or mm-hmm. not just bar stuff. Like, what have you learned along the way with your trip? Um, we, <clears throat> so we're, I think, well, I was just at False Idol last night. I went down to San Diego. Great bar. Yeah, excellent bar. Excellent bar. And then we went over the grass skirt. It's fine. Love it. But. It's it's no false idol. Like it's no false they're, idol, they're, but they're doing they're doing something different. That's all. I I have like I have, I have this weird like I have like a weird love for that bar yeah, for, well, for, it's, for, it's, for 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 grass skirt. Now look, and most of the locals hate it. Sure, and <laughs> most of the tiki people, even if they're not local, hate it. Uh-huh. But so I'm this guy that grew up in the 80s and 90s, and and. <laughs> You know, like there was one night I went in there and they were playing 
hip hop and rap music. Oh yeah, of course they're playing, they're playing top forty yeah. over there last night. So whatever. As a tiki guy, I scoffed at it. Right? Yeah, I scoffed like, oh, what are they playing? Tupac yeah. and Biggie. Right, blah, right. blah 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 blah. Yeah, you're too good for that as a tiki person. Right? Too, too good as a tiki yeah. person. What the hell is in this drink? Blah blah yeah. blah blah blah. Right. I was acting the way that my friends act. Mm-hmm. But then after I had a few drinks, I was feeling a little tipsy. Like, I got to admit, the music was very nostalgic for me because it was when I grew up. Of course. And so <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm kind of digging this. Like, this, it reminds this, this, me it of works. my youth, Something right? Something about this is working. Yeah, yeah. Right so now. then I actually enjoyed myself. Again, I have this whole thing about adjust your expectations and enjoy the moment, right? Yeah. So, adjusted my expectations. I enjoyed the. Man, mediocre drinks and mm-hmm. mediocre music, but yeah. I had a great time. And yes. I was with a previous sponsor. And then we returned like, I don't know, months later. He had the same attitude as me, right? And he yeah. also enjoyed that night. And then we returned months later and we walked in. They were playing, I think it was disco. And we were uh, like, what the what hell, hell is, is this? No, this is... <laughs> and then, we're going backwards now. Right, and yeah. then after a couple of drinks... I looked at him and I saw his foot tapping and stuff. And then I looked at him and I was like, you know, this stuff. Uh, yeah. And I was yeah. like, I was like, how are you feeling? And he looked at me and he was like, I'm feeling pretty good. Pretty. And, I, and I, and I said, you know what, dude, this place has some kind of magic because, There's, because yes. you know, the drinks are, are, you know, they're, they're not, they're not the best. Yeah. Yeah. The bar is not the best. The music is like totally off for Tiki. Right. But maybe as somebody that like, I, I've always learned to adjust my expectations. Mm hmm. I had a good time that night too. And I told him like, yeah, whatever it is, like, I know it's all wrong, but God, you know, if, 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 if this is like, you know, what was that whole statement about? Like, this is all wrong. I don't want to <laughs> be, right be right or yeah, whatever, right. Would it, right, right. you know, and, and, and I used the same example when I went to uh, Roatan, which is this tropical island off the coast of Honduras. Mm. And we had just landed. We had just checked into our, our, it's a little cabin, little bungalow, and it's right there by the beach. We walked out to the beach, mm-hmm. and we walked onto the sand, and there's tables on the sand, and then there's this cover so amazing. band. You're it's just amazing. Taking, you're taking me there right now. <laughs> In my cover head, band. I mean. You're it's a cover t- band. There's a cover <laughs> band playing playing music. The sun was setting behind them, yeah. and I sat down with my family, and it, you know, my happy place is traveling with my family, my wife and my two kids, yeah. and so I'm in my happy place. We sit down at this table. And I order a bucket of Coronas. I think it was Coronas. Yeah. And a couple cigars because it had like this special, like you get like three Coronas and two cigars for like 25 bucks or whatever it was. Cool. I ordered that. We ordered some calamari and a few appetizers. Mm-hmm. And this band starts playing Margaritaville, which is like a very, very bad song for tiki people. <laughs> yes, right? yes. And it was, my vacation was just starting. Like we just landed like two hours before. Yeah, what's happening? We just checked into our cabin and I'm sitting on a beach with white sand, crystal clear blue water, the sunset behind this band playing Margaritaville. I light up a, cig- a cigar mm. and I squeeze a lime into my Corona. It's a Corona. It's a Corona. It's yeah. a Corona. It's a Corona. And I lean back and I think to myself, okay, I get it. I get it. And look, if you did any of that at a tiki event, boy, would you get heckled. Like oh, people are I- just going to get, they're going to stomp on you. Oh, yeah, yeah. But man, it was the first day of vacation. Yeah. It was a cigar. It was my first beer. Yeah. Like the sun was set. It was just uh, like it was a dream, man. It was yeah. so great. Yeah. So, so I'm sorry to interrupt your story, no, but like, no, you didn't interrupt you at all. Gra- when you said grass skirt, that was like my first thought. No, you didn't interrupt at all. In fact, that that brings me around to the the um, the you know you had asked what what have we really learned and 
you know, the, my most recent post, cause we're about, you know, I've been posting on the Facebook groups. Um, I've been, I've been following like, it. Like this is Tiki and Tiki for everyone. And I love Tiki and all that. Like I'm part of a dozen different groups on there that I'm, or more. And I've been posting. And I've been these. liking all your smiley faces. Like yeah. you, you have the big smile on your face, yeah, big yeah. smiley selfie. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah. I got to have the silly face and then I got to have, you know, obviously the branding and, and then try to get the interior shots. Cause you know, a lot of people want to see what these are and it's kind of, a revelation to a lot of people who were even kind of near some of these bars that didn't even know they existed. So sure, that's cool. Sure. So that's a cool discovery. Um, but to answer your question, what have we learned that, you know, what you just said about the grass skirt, that is, I've, I've seen that now it was, we're on our, so grass skirt, I think was the 23rd stop so far. Holy moly. 23rd, right, 23 stops. Yeah. So far. And honestly, every single one of them, like you can find some, you can find that special something about every single tiki bar out there. I right. love tiki bars. Right. I don't want them to go anywhere. Right, right, Some right. of them are yeah, better yeah. than others, obviously. Sure. But I can, I can, there's a silver lining to every single one of them. The, my most recent post, um, we're about 12 days right now ahead of all of the posting. So okay. we've already come and gone from Arizona. Okay. We've done all that in okay. Vegas. And we're here in California now. But I just started posting for Arizona. Okay. And... Um, you know, and people are inviting us to come to their home bars. They think we're in, you know, that it's all happening. Live. Right, right, right. It's like, no, we're, but you're sorry, 12 days we're, out. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're ahead. Sorry. We're, we've come and gone, but thank you for the invite. Awesome. Um, well, I appreciate you being here then. Oh yeah. No, I was, well, but this, this wasn't not going to happen. Like I'm staying in Norco, <laughs> dude. We're like right down the, my you're wife like, is born. My wife was born and raised in Norco. That's I, crazy. You know, yeah. She's like 12 minute drive from here. Her parents where I, where yeah. I'm staying right now. So this was that's an crazy. easy thing for me. Wow. Um, it was, a, it was like an omen, but, but yeah, to have that, that, you know, the, the most recent post was the, the Contiki in Tucson, you know, yeah. one of the originals still around and, you know, I was there for Tiki Oasis in Arizona a couple months is ago. Is that where they had it? They had it, not at Contiki. They had the, they had it at the Valley Ho. Okay. But on one of the days I snuck down there to Tucson to, to because, you know, the last couple of times I'd been to oh, that's right, the Phoenix been, area, Phoenix, yeah. yeah, the last couple of times I'd been to Phoenix, I never drove down to Tucson. I hadn't yeah. been to Contiki in probably like a decade. Yeah. And I thought, oh, you know what? Like I'm going to be out here for four days. I might as well try to squeeze it in. Yeah. 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 And so yeah, and, I did. And you should, you know, it's, it's. I give it, I give it mad respect for just being like yeah. having survived all these, sure. all this time, like the, de- this mass demolition of all these wonderful yeah. tiki bars across the country through the eighties and nineties. And People will scoff at their drinks and stuff. And I'll be like, dude, just be thankful that it's still there. That it's still there. Like, yeah, the drinks are not great. They're obviously appealing to a certain crowd sure. that, that is not you. Sure. You want good classic cocktails. You know, Again, it's the quality. adjust your expectation thing. Right. Like right. you can get it. You know where to get a good drink. That's right. You know where to get a drink. You know you, where you, you can you, get a good drink. Yeah, don't you know go, that, don't go. If, the, if you want a good drink, don't go to come. Tiki, there, you know, not, you, and you know you're not going to get like a crafted cocktail though. You already know that. You know that. So what's the point of scoffing? Like you're going to free pour everything yeah. right into your glass sure. and, and send it out, and because it's all about speed and efficiency and, and economical. And you're not, you're, you're but you know, you if you want to sit in in you know under a thatched hut and with you know, oh yeah, uh, and all those guanco with, with these, tiki's the, in there, the, the guanco tiki's and the and the the. Um, the the old piranha fish tank there, oh, yeah, it's yeah. now full of you know actual saltwater fish and You've got the and floats the, and the bottles and the, floats and like, and the yeah. bottles and the and that beautiful you know giant clamshell um, water fountain that they've got like, yeah so great yeah there's a lot of wonderful things there so and great. there's history in that yeah yeah and so people who follow the tiki movement I think they can still find that appreciation if you don't follow tiki m- maybe 
maybe uh, the Contiki restaurant and lounge is more of a head scratcher to you. Right. But this this feels a little dusty. But that's part of its charm to me. I think going I to those agree. places. One hundred percent. So and there are places that are not even true tiki bars, but they are kind of at least playing with it a little, and they're they're keeping it around. And it's right, a spot, right. You know. We we I made it a rule because you know I mentioned autos earlier, auto shrunken head in New York. Like I'm not driving to a state for an auto shrunken head. I'm not driving out of my way for that one spot. Like it's if I'm going through the state and they've got something pretty legit, then great. And if they happen to be multiples in that area or that that mm-hmm. town, mm-hmm. then then you know we'll try to bounce around and see what we can. When we went to Phoenix, of course, the the big draw is is um, undertow, right? Right. But they also had and came highly recommended by many people who were following. You got to hit up Captain's Cabin while you're there, right? And that was wonderful. Yeah. And and no knock on undertow because undertow is the draw. Definitely go. It's awesome. But the experience is a little less personable because they're you know they're doing everything ninety minutes right now. Um, and we and, were just taken in with open arms by Captain Dave at, at Captain's Cabin. You know? Yeah, and then he's while the you show were there, you awesome. also got to enjoy hula's, I would assume. And we went over and then had some food after. Had some and food it was, hulas, yeah, and yeah. it was great. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, yeah, a little speakeasy on the side with uh, with great drinks and a, a very one of our favorite bartenders so far on the whole trip. So just oh, that's shout great. out to you, Captain Dave. <laughs> shout out to Captain yeah. Dave. Yeah. I love well, it. Well, because he was great. He just took us in. He was very... You know, some people could care less that we're coming through, and that's fine. I'm, we're not looking for special treatment. What we want is if that's something that you do at your bar, then I definitely want that experience. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking for freebies or anything. What I All I want is the full experience that any guest could have. Right. So I need to know what that is so that I could ask about it or right, whatever. Right, right. Um, and he was just – so. And you know, on the flip side, other people are actually very excited that we're coming through. They're very right. thrilled because they could tell that we're enthusiastic uh, tiki goers and they wanted to they they want to engage with us as much as possible yeah and yeah. i love that i, I do too i do yeah. too you know it can be overwhelming sometimes right like you get yeah. into a town where there's a lot of tiki files they all want you to see their home bar and i want to see all of it i, do. I want to see, i love it mm-hmm. you know but uh sometimes you just can't fit it all in yeah, and that's the thing is we're, you know, it's really on a time crunch. You know, we've been camping in between yeah. stops. So we're going yeah. to national parks and seeing scenery and everything. We're giving our livers a break, you know, for two, three days or whatever before right. we hit the next stop where this next city coming up has got four, five, six bars. We're in Southern California, and that's overwhelming because yeah. we're, we're from here, so we also have to balance these stops with family. Right, right. Well, we have we have a few in Southern California. We used to have more, but we yeah. lost Trader Vic. I know. We lost Bahuka. Yes, and uh, what did we lose recently? Uh, there's a few that aren't open right now, like Clifton's Pacific Seas is not open. I know. They've got the, the yeah, Clifton's. Yeah. Uh, I, that's only Friday, Saturdays it was showing that maybe that was a. Yeah, I, I, can't, I, I didn't can't even know that. that that's open. Yeah. But uh, Lono is not open. That's another one. Right. I think Ventiki closed the day that we were at Tiki T, but it, they should be reopened. I, I think they're coming around. I think that was uh, just a little scare, and they're uh, possibly sticking So you should try to squeeze that one in. But you know where there's an embarrassment of riches is up in San Francisco. No, Northern California. Yeah. San Francisco. San Francisco's got a ton, no, man. And, and they're all great. From and they're all great. They're all, that's the thing. They're all great. They're not, yeah. it's, it's not spotty. It's not kind of all over the board. Yeah. Like yeah. The, Every single recommendation is pretty spot on. Well, there's like a cocktail the culture. Room, you got to go. Yeah, there's yeah. a cocktail culture up there. So, yeah. so yeah. they're all trying to do things right. Yes. And which I love. And so you're going to have a you're going to have a good time when you when you pass through there. Um, And then it's going to thin out as you make your way up to the Pacific Northwest. Yes. Yes. I know that. Well, we've got 
we've, I mean, we've got a long stretch between there and um, Portland, and then we're going to head up uh, Seattle, and there's probably five, five, six spots up there uh, right. before we come back down, and then we'll, I guess, Jungle Bird is in Sacramento. We're going to try to get some camping done in the meantime, because you know that's right. the very ex- explorer nature of this trip, right? Right, right. <laughs> we're not we're not beachcombing, but we're we're trying to rough it a little at least. <laughs> well, well, it's 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 also just about. It's just about seeing things from a different way, right? I mean, like you could get on a plane. Oh, oh yeah, right. You right. could go. You could, you could hop the, on a plane from city to city. It's not the same kind it's of not, trip. Not the same trip you know? at all. Yeah. yeah. And we're also like we're you know it's a it's an economical choice too. You know, we're if we go camping, that's like it costs very little. To just go set up your tent if you can time it right. Yeah. And not go set up in the dark where there's bears around. But, right, <laughs> but if but if you can time it right and go get a campsite versus going staying in a hotel, well, that's more money for the the, the next drink menu that you want to right. sample. I got you. So we're just saving all this money for these tiki stops. That's really what it is. Yeah, that's um, great. We're just having the time of our lives. Um, for me, you know i I got into the tiki thing really hardcore, really only like seven years ago. So it's kind of newer for me. Sure. Um, but like anything else, as, as I told you, I I just gave myself a crash course in Tiki. I mean, I I had heard about uh, Jeff Berry's books, didn't own any yet. I learned of the painkiller cocktail through, I got my hands on um, Dale DeGroff's The Essential Cocktail. Mm-hmm. And he it's the only book that I had seen that actually separated a section for the the tropicals, the essential oh, tropicals. Okay. So it's a whole okay. chapter in there. Gotcha. And he had the painkiller in there. Gotcha. And when I tied the painkiller, I was like, oh, I didn't the hell is this drink right right it's amazing you know this is pineapple and coconut like two of my favorite things it's not considered a tiki cocktail i know no not at all yeah but but it was a gateway to to making drinks in that style like sure yeah it kind of opened me up yeah and then you know of course learning about uh the the daiquiris and the mojitos and all the things that are not real and pina coladas these aren't real tiki drinks but it it just the whole canon of tropicals became the what i loved the most yeah, and I get it. I get it. I think like the painkiller is one of those ones that we can grandfather in. I don't know if grandfather in is the right term, but you, no, I think I that kind of works. Saying, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. because there's just enough going on with it, and <laughs> that it probably well, I I don't know, just the coconut cream. Like who was really making things with coconut cream in the, right, in the early days? Right. Like that was that's kind of a right. that's a, a a tiki, not really a tiki cocktail ingredient by classic standards, but right. you know, it's all over the place now. Yeah, I and, get it. And you. You're not going to walk into too many tiki bars now where they don't have some variation yep, yep. of a painkiller. Because yeah, we've just it. taken it. We've embraced it and accepted it. We've embraced it. it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it. We've yeah. embraced it and accepted it. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think because it's because we like it, it's tasty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it too. Yeah. Well, we've reached the one hour mark. All right. We've actually wow. eclipsed we, it. Wow, we did it. We did it. Well, that's how much fun we were We having. did it. Let me start by saying thank you for making time to stop by the Desert Oasis Room. Thank you for having me. Thank you for making these great cocktails. Thank mm-hmm. you for hanging out with me at the Tiki Tea. Oh, that was a blast. Thank and you for taking me on yeah. such a, a, a momentous occasion as, as the Toast to Ray. And thanks for, <laughs> thanks for being a buddy. Yeah. Online. Yeah. Thank I, you. I, I, Likewise. I, not, and now, like, now we're buddies in person. So. We really are. Like, truly, uh, fellow IE... You know, fellow yeah. Inland Empire uh, Tiki that's file. Something like that, that's, that's something that will always connect us, right? Yes. Growing up in the You're IE. on an island of your own out here. That's and right. when I come back, I'm going to try to correct that for you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, open invite to you whenever you come back. Thanks. Before we wrap this up, is there anything that you want to promote to our listeners? Is Are you... Are you blogging any of your trip at all? Can um, people follow you online? What yeah, are, 
let's yeah, throw all that out there. Yeah, absolutely. Find me on uh, Instagram, Adam Demrath, at Adam Demrath. Uh, that's the hashtag. And um, uh, that's D-E-M-E-R-A-T-H. <laughs> it's jamming. <laughs> and, um, and I'm also on Facebook, uh, again, through various uh, Facebook groups, uh, tiki groups. Um, that's just Adam Demrath on Facebook. You can find me on my regular feed. And that's, yeah, I'm, I'm, we're having a good time. It's a lot of work, like going to the spots. It does feel like sure. work as much fun and leisure as sure. there is there. We're, I'm, I'm taking the time to write when I'm out of the woods and I can actually get a, uh, an I internet connection. I gotta, I gotta touch down and, and let people know where we are now. So. I totally get it. Everybody yeah. thinks that my life is just one big giant party, but no, you right. know, like no, it's work. All, all you're seeing is the fun stuff yeah. and everything else behind the scenes is work. It is work. Oh, and yeah. it takes time to really re- refine that and, and oh yeah send out a product that there, works. there's there's editing there's mm-hmm. there's invoicing Absolute, there's yeah. there's you gotta, yeah. you gotta polish it up yeah, yeah for people yeah. so you have your listeners and and uh, yeah so yeah but we're out there we're on Facebook Instagram find us please uh, if you love if you want to follow along on the Tiki bar it's my wife's name is Trista and I'm Adam so we go by TNA <laughs> um, Aloha Adam. I love it. Beach Babe Trista. So TNA's Big Tiki Tour. You'll find us on, on online. And awesome. thanks for following along to everybody who has so far and all the invitations to the bars. It's really, really nice. Awesome. Cheers. I love it. Cheers. I love it. Thanks for again for everything. Thanks for coming by the bar. Thanks for the cocktails. Thanks for the company. And if you guys enjoyed listening to this particular podcast, thank you for hanging around. You can listen to our archive at polynesianpop.podbean.com or other episodes at desertoasisroom.com. Until the next time, cheers and aloha. Cheers and aloha. Woo!